There's no other way to put it. That was a rocky outing for South Carolina in Rocky Top on Saturday night. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I am Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work over on Gamecocks Digest on SI. Thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and where we get your audio podcasts daily. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more right now because if you're a new customer, you can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets Guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. This is not exactly the kind of performance that Gamecock fans would have envisioned for South Carolina in Knoxville on Saturday night. The Gamecocks dropping their third game of the season, losing by a score of 41 to 20. A game that, quite frankly, from the first few possessions of the matchup. Just sort of felt like it was already getting away from South Carolina. It never felt like the Gamecocks had any control over the flow of this game. And that goes for both sides of the ball. We'll talk about each unit's performance on Saturday night on today's show. And at the end, we'll discuss whether or not it is time to panic when it comes to the 2023 football season. Let's start with the offense because, quite frankly... um, Really nobody looked good on this side of the ball on Saturday night. And yes, I am including Spencer Rattler in this conversation. For the first time all season long, it really seems like that the combination of circumstances surrounding Spencer Rattler actually got to him a little bit. When you combine the lackluster pass protection up front, which I'll get into in just a couple moments, you combine the lack of help from his receiving core in terms of getting open, and you also throw in the fact that he was playing in a near-sold-out crowd in Neyland Stadium, a night game in Knoxville. I think that everything just got to Rattler a little bit more than it has for the majority of this season up to this point. Spencer Rattler made a couple of throws early in the game that were very risky throws. uh, Throws that he typically has not made to this point in the season. Throws that could have very well been picked off if uh, he wasn't any more careful, potentially. Rattler also quickened his timing in the pocket. He did not wait very long to sometimes throw the football, sometimes settling for short throws where South Carolina, they need to make a throw deep down the field. And that was symbolic of just sort of the entire situation, where, quite frankly, there were times where it just felt like that if South Carolina could just get anything from a production standpoint on the offensive side of the ball, then it was a win for them. Because Tennessee, they just made life difficult for Spencer Rattler. And again... For the first time all year, even including that North Carolina game, there was just no way he could overcome it, despite his best efforts. The running back position, they never really had a chance to make an impact 
in this football game. The offensive line, quite frankly, once again, was lackluster in run blocking, which again, not really a surprise up to this point in the season. The one positive from this side of the football, however, does come from this position group. Mario Anderson Jr., he continues to make progress at this position, and he is by far the best ball carrier of the group right now. Took a 75-yard run for a touchdown in the second half, blew past defenders, and showed that, hey, he's got a little bit of speed. He's not just a guy that's basically a north-south bruising type of back. And he's also getting better in pass protection, both in terms of recognizing when a blitzer is coming and also being able to hold his own once engaged in a one-on-one blocking situation. So Mario Anderson, he continues to, again, make strides at that spot. But unfortunately, with no offensive line blocking, or I should say very inconsistent offensive line blocking, um, you're just not going to see that actually manifest on the field very often the rest of the way, unless South Carolina is just able to overpower their opponent from a talent standpoint. Wide receivers, this position group was just flat out lackluster on Saturday night against the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee, they clearly game planned very well for Xavier Leggett. They bracketed him in coverage. What bracket coverage basically means is they double covered him. Now they did it in zone coverage where basically they had a guy sitting in front of Xavier Leggett and a guy sitting behind him. So essentially two defenders in the same vicinity and that forced Spencer out to have to look for other options more often than not. And the rest of the options that he had got little to no separation whatsoever at any point in this football game on Saturday night. Some of these other wide receivers have just got to step up. Um, I've talked about it before. I'm not going to get into it too much, obviously. The talent in this group has got to be upgraded. There's no question about that. But at the same time, some guys that have been here for two, three years, it's time that they start making an impact, a consistent impact. And some of them, quite frankly, just are not doing that right now. And if you can't do it against this Tennessee secondary, then I really don't know what are the secondary you're going to be able to uh, perform at a high level against for the rest of this season. Shapeeber did say after the game on Saturday night that Nicholas Harper and Tyshawn Russell both do need to play more. And this is, I think, at least the third time now that he has said that. The only thing I could think of at this point regarding the Nicholas Harper, Tyshawn Russell talking point from Shane Beamer is that Shane is trying really hard to tell these guys through these press conferences that, hey, we want you to give us a reason to put you out there on the field and keep you out there. Clearly, these guys, they have not maybe progressed quite as much as the coaching staff would like just yet in terms of what they're doing in practice. I don't have an issue with that because obviously, again, you don't want to throw these freshmen out there when they're not ready and have their confidence broken. I know that after the Tennessee game, all the fans or a lot of you fans, maybe you don't care about that at this point. You just want to see those guys go out there and get more snaps. I get that. I understand your frustration with that. But again, I do think that this is sort of a developmental type game that the coaching staff is trying to play where they don't maybe rush the process a bit too much. So that's my overall thoughts on that situation. For the offensive line, 
blatantly obvious they could not handle the speed and athleticism of this Tennessee defensive front. Uh, The edges got blown up on several occasions on both sides. The interior at times also got driven back. That one was more so related to run blocking than it was to pass blocking. And in my opinion, um, when the offensive line got beat in this game, it had little to do with the scheme that Tennessee was running. It was simply a matter of which side had more Jimmys and Joes. And again, I don't mean that in any offense to the guys that are playing up front for South Carolina on the offensive line, but the Gamecocks, uh, again, help is on the way, but it's not going to get here for a while still. So, still been some progression made this season, but again, the offensive line, they just, um, they weren't up to the challenge. They just were not up to the challenge. So, any more defensive fronts that have got some serious speed behind them that the Gamecocks face this season, that could pose a serious matchup problem for this offensive line. And then the last thing I'll talk about offensively before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, situationally, I said before we got to this game, that both sides of the ball had to win on early downs, first and second down. You know what the average second down distance was for South Carolina on Saturday night? 8.65 yards. They basically, on average, were getting around a yard and a half on each first down offensively. That is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. You're not going to get anywhere by having that kind of lack of first down success. No matter how many explosive plays you can make happen, whether it's through the passing game or Mario Anderson Jr. just bursting right up the gut. Just not going to happen. Also said that this team had to make plays when needed. South Carolina had 15 third down attempts. That's already not good, but you had 15 of them. You only converted on two of them. That included a series where you had a second and two, which then became a third and two, then a fourth and one, and then you turned over the football on downs. It was that kind of night for South Carolina. They also tried to convert on five different fourth down opportunities And they only managed to successfully convert on two of those chances. So they went 40% in terms of their fourth down conversion percentage. So this football team, in terms of the offensive side of the ball, again, nobody played well. Nobody played well on Saturday night. The explosives weren't there. Xavier Leggett, for the first time all season, was properly game planned for. They slowed him down and nobody else could show up. Nobody else showed up. That is, in essence, what happened offensively. Now, defensively, they actually played a little bit better, in my opinion, than the offense did, but they still had a ton of mistakes that they made and some mistakes that, quite frankly, I think are very concerning considering the point that we're at in this current coaching staff's tenure. And I'll touch on that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Mario Anderson Jr., Athletic Brewing has been running by their non-alcoholic beer competitors thanks to their great-tasting non-alcoholic brews. Mario Anderson Jr. rushed for 101 yards on Saturday night, becoming the first Gamecock since the Kentucky game in 2022 to rush for over 100 yards. 
Athletic Brewing Company's brews are great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions, and the best part is you never have hangovers. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 50% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, whether it's a win or it's a loss, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Clayton White's defense continues to live life on the edge in these kind of football games, and their fundamental mistakes continue to cost them. In terms of South Carolina's defense and how they performed against Tennessee's offense, uh, there was no middle ground in Saturday night's football game. South Carolina either stuffed Tennessee right at the line of scrimmage for no gain or forced an incompletion, or they gave up six, seven, eight plus yards on any given play. Now, I will say this. The defense did have one really good stretch in this football game where they pretty much held Tennessee's offense in check. Over the course of the final two full possessions of the first half and the first three possessions of the second half, South Carolina's defense only gave up seven points to Tennessee's offense throughout that time frame. Now, what did the Gamecocks offense do to take advantage of the defense only giving up seven points? Punt, pick six, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs, punt. Not putting this game entirely on the offense. I'll get into more of that in a second. But point being, uh, you can't do that against Tennessee. You want to be the Tennessee Volunteers, especially in Neyland Stadium. When your defense does make that many stops in such a short amount of time, offensively, you got to find a way to capitalize on that, and South Carolina couldn't do that this past Saturday. Now, in terms of the negative aspect of this game for South Carolina's defense, what really concerns me coming out of this matchup is the fundamental mistakes that the Gamecocks made on this side of the ball. The Gamecocks did not consistently set the edge against Tennessee. And this was done by multiple players, whether it would be South Carolina's edge defender deciding to peek inside to see if the ball carrier was running up the gut, whether it was a linebacker who just could not sift through all the visual traffic they had in front of them, and they sort of hovered in the B-gap for so long, and the running back noticed that and bounced the run simply outside. Or if it was a safety that was coming down, it did not matter. Every single level of the defense made this mistake at some point on Saturday night against Tennessee's offense. That is like defense 101 stuff right there, setting the edge. That That's not something that is very difficult to execute on the football field. Also, 
Missed tackles. South Carolina had eight of them on Saturday night against Tennessee. That was according to Pro Football Focus. Now, I know that some people are going to sit there and say, well, Andrew, they don't have the depth that they would like at certain positions, like maybe outside corner or linebacker. And you know something? That is true to a certain extent. The depth situation is not completely ideal at every single spot. There's two things, though, that I will say to that. Firstly, there's few, if any, football teams that can say that about every position on the field in terms of depth. And secondly, these fundamental mistakes do not come down to how many bodies you have. Now, sure, fatigue can hurt you in terms of maybe your ability to react, and that can maybe lead to a missed tackle here and there. But at some point, you know, guys have to be, have to be able to make plays. You got to be able to make plays. But when it comes to fundamental mistakes, I don't say that the players should hold the majority of the blame there. I wouldn't say that. I think that goes back to coaching because you are either stopping it in its tracks and you're correcting it in practice or you're allowing it to happen. It's one or the other. And I'm not going to try to sit here and say that this staff hasn't been trying to fix any of these issues that have been reoccurring and on Saturday night were really bad against this Tennessee offense. But these things have got to be fixed. At the same time, at a certain point, you start to wonder if they're going to be fixed. We're three years into this defensive coaching staff and now we're halfway through this third season. The system should be in place by now, so I don't know how setting the edge And missing tackles are still an issue at this point. I just don't. Defense has got a ton to correct. They had a decent outing against Mississippi State in terms of rush defense. Y'all, part of the reason that that happened was because, let's be honest, Mississippi State, uh, their offensive line, looking back, was not very good. None of those guys would probably play or start for Tennessee, if I would imagine. And also, the way that their system Operated. It's a new system. First year in a pro-style system. Tennessee, they're an established offense. Up-tempo offense. An offense that likes to run downhill in terms of their ground attack. South Carolina cannot withstand that kind of attack. They just can't. So, defensively speaking, it's the same exact story, but a different week. There are certain stretches where this defense, they really do... They stand tall. They make a few stops when they need to. But I cannot recall the last time that I watched a South Carolina defense and I saw a defense that could get off the field after three plays and actually do it a few times in a row. I just can't recall it. It's been so long since we last saw that. And at some point, this defense has got to have the ability to do something like that instead of, you know, hey, we get off the field, but it took us three times trying to stop them on third down to get them off the field. That kind of stuff gets left out. And you know something, when you can't get off the field, but you have multiple chances to do so, at some point, it also isn't all on the offense. It's also on you. You've got to make a stop when you need a stop. And South Carolina's defense continues to struggle to do that. So where does this leave Shane Beamer's football team? Is it time to panic when it comes to the 2023 football season? 
I'll dive into that question a little bit deeper in just a few moments. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. I tried to look up a future bet to see if FanDuel had anything on who might possess the number one overall pick for this next year's NFL draft, and they did not. Otherwise, I would give the odds for the Carolina Panthers because they're 0-4 right now. And it's going to get worse for them because they play the Detroit Lions on the road this next Sunday, and the spread is set at plus 8.5 points for the Panthers. Put money on the Lions to cover that spread. The app is easy to use, and you can bound everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Is it time to panic for South Carolina's football team when it comes to the 2023 football season? I would say yes. I would say it is time to panic. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that South Carolina could go 3-9 and nine or 4-8. and eight. I don't think that the Gamecocks are going to have just the entire bottom drop out on this entire football season. I am not here to talk about why Shapeboomer should be fired. We are nowhere near close to having that kind of conversation, okay? Even though, looking at the 2023 season right now, we are starting to creep closer and closer to the worst case scenario that I brought up before this season started. In my mind, a worst case scenario was six and six for this football team. And I think with what we've seen from this team after the first five weeks of the season, um, that is going to be right around where the Gamecocks will finish. I don't think that you should expect eight wins plus. The absolute best I think this team could get at this point is probably 7-5. and five. But right now, I would say that this team, they've got to aim for 6-6. Six and six Because uh, there's some real issues on both sides of the ball. Offensively, they are handicapped due to the lack of running back depth and wildly inconsistent offensive line when it comes to their rushing attack. There's no major receiving threats outside of Xavier Leggett. They are badly missing Juice Wells right now. That is very clear and apparent. They really need Amari Brown to get back to 100%. Thankfully, South Carolina's got a bye week this week. So hopefully guys like Amari Brown can get right around 100% once again, having a little bit of extra time away from the field. And then defensively, again, these guys, they just lack consistent fundamental play. The rush defense does not generate enough stuffed or negative plays. And the pass rush is dang near non-existent, even when they are blitzing, because quite frankly, the blitzing is not creative enough. On that side of the ball. So right now if you're South Carolina. If I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. This next game against Florida. Is an extremely important football game. I'm going to say it again. It is a must win. You have to beat the Florida Gators. I will touch on that a little bit more. As we get closer to that game. You can't lose to Billy Napier and that squad. If you do. Then we might have a sound the alarm. Type of post game reaction that weekend. I don't think that this football team is beating Missouri or Texas A&M. I'll probably go over this, maybe on a separate little 
bonus show that I do this week, but there's something going on in college football right now when it comes to home field advantage. If you go around and you look at each team in the SEC and you look specifically at the losses that they have suffered to this point this season, most of the losses have taken place when a team has been on the road. And honestly, you're seeing this happen at a much higher rate than I think it has in recent years. I'm not quite sure what the change is. I don't know if it's a combination of home field advantage plus the clock rules that are now in effect. I don't know what the case may be. Maybe that's caused it to be a lot more of a momentum game. It's important to have the momentum, and it's easier to gain the momentum when you are the home team. I'm not sure what it is. Point being, if the North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee games are any indication, South Carolina, they're going to struggle when they are not playing Williams-Brice Stadium this year. And you have to play Missouri and Texas A&M after this game against Florida. It's back-to-back road games. That's an even more daunting task when it comes to playing in this conference. I don't see the Gamecocks winning either of those games right now. I just don't. So that leaves me with Vanderbilt, Jacksonville State, Kentucky, and Clemson. Uh, I'm going to give South Carolina the benefit of the doubt and say you're going to beat Vanderbilt and Jacksonville State. Uh, You better beat Vanderbilt and Jacksonville State because, again, if you can't do that, I I can't even imagine what will happen on the internet in Gamecock country if they lose one of those two games. Kentucky or Clemson, you got to split one of those two games, in my opinion. Because, again, I think you can beat Florida. I think you've got to beat Florida. But I don't think you're going to get Missouri-Texas A&M. If you beat Vanderbilt and Jacksonville State, that gets you to five. You got to get one of those last two games to make it to a bowl game. That's where we're at at this point in the 2023 season. And I know that some of you were thinking that this team had the potential to win eight or nine games again. I know there were some of you that thought that this team could win 10-plus games. Um, Again, I think my ceiling for this team was 10-2. and two. I thought there was a path for them to go 10-2. and two. And the floor was 6-6, six and six, most likely was maybe 7-5. and five. I think that was where my final prediction landed. Um, but right now, I think 6-6 six and six is looking like the most likely record scenario here for South Carolina. If you're Shane Beamer, I will say this. You've got to make it to a bowl game. You've got to. If you don't make it to a bowl game, I'm not going to sit here and say that this recruiting class falls apart because I do think this staff has a bunch of special relationships with the majority of the commits that they've got in the fold right now. But you've got to correct some things. You've got to change some things schematically, maybe in a ways, and also with how this football team is just playing in general. And I have to also say this. I think either way, When this season ends, Shane Beamer, this is going to be an off-season where he's going to have some very important decisions to make in terms of the future at South Carolina, in terms of how his staff is going to look. I think he's got to reevaluate a couple different facets of this football program because I, I will just put it this way to keep it short and sweet. Some of these issues, as I've talked about before, are not on the staff, right? The offensive line, And the horrific recruiting there from the previous staff, that's not Shane Beamer's fault. Okay? That's not his fault and his assistant's fault. And they are rectifying that issue as we speak. Wide receiver recruiting, 
I have touched on that. That is a different story. This staff, got to fix that. Got to fix that. I think you've got to get some more pure cornerbacks on your roster. You're you're nailing safety. You're bringing in all the four-star blue-chip safeties in the world right now. You've got to now bring in some cornerbacks to go with those safeties. Got to build up more depth there. Defensive line, got to get some new guys in there. Got You got to get some new guys in there. Edge rusher, you're bringing in some youth and some juice and Desmond Zulu and Dylan Stewart. On the interior, you brought in Xavier McLeod. You've got to find more guys like that, and you've got to get them into this program on the defensive line. So they're recruiting at a couple positions really well right now. The problem is the uniformity, or the lack of uniformity, I should say, when it comes to the entire roster and recruiting, that is catching up a little bit to this staff now. And transfer pool recruiting alone is not going to fix that, okay? It's not going to. I'm telling you that right now. So there are some legitimate long-term issues that Shane Beamer is going to have to address this offseason. But in terms of the 2023 season, yeah, it's time to panic a little bit. Because you've got to make it to 6-6. Six and six. You can't go 5-7 and seven and then find out what the adverse consequences are if you don't make it to a ball game. Cannot have that happen. So... With that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I do hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show. As always, what are y'all's thoughts on the Tennessee game? How do you think the offense or the defense performed? Was there something I did not touch on that you thought really played a big part in this game? And also, what are your thoughts on the 2023 season moving forward? Are you hitting the panic button on this season? Let me know any thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.